Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it, episode 119 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. What's going on? Episode 119 for the love of the game. And I'm about to take a victory lap. I'm about to take a victory lap. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. They defeated the Suns in six games coming back from 0-2 down to win the next four straight. Something I predicted. Yeah, we'll get to that in just one second. I mean, unbelievable series. Had incredible, incredible moments. Uh, whether it was the Giannis block on DeAndre Ayton on the lob, which was ridiculous, whether it was the Drew Holiday steal in game five leading to the Giannis alley-oop to clinch it, that was insane, and then the Giannis 50-piece to close it out in game six. Just unbelievable stuff, unbelievable stuff. We're going to get to Giannis in just a second. But before we do that, i got to talk about Team USA basketball. So they opened up the Olympic Games against France, the number two team, and they took an L. They took an L, 83-76. Not great. Not great at all. They were really sluggish on offense. I think they only scored like 31 second half points. Just a disgusting display. I mean, they blew a seven-point lead with a 340 left. Drew Holiday, who had just gotten off the plane, was by far the best player on the team. I mean, Kevin Durant was in foul trouble. Drew Holiday led everybody with 18 points, played really well on both ends, but no one else really showed up. At a certain point, there's got to be an adult in the room, especially on the offensive end, because a lot of these guys are super talented offensively, who's just going to be, I got this, I can get on my back, and let's take this home. Uh, Team USA looked exceedingly passive. Some of the defensive rotations were, you know, non-existent. It it just shows you that that there's no cohesiveness with this team right now. And that's a problem when you play against France. France is the number two team going into the tournament, and it showed. And, uh, yeah, Team USA has a little bit of an issue. I don't understand why Keldon Johnson is playing so much over guys like Chris Milton. Again, Chris Milton just got there. I don't know what you do with the Devin Booker, Zach Levine minutes. I, I just there, – there's a lot of things. And, and I'm not sure Greg Popovich really has his fastball anymore in terms of being a coach. Having said all of that, having said all of that, Again, they were up seven with 340 left. So let's not all freak out here, right? It's a bad loss. Don't get me wrong. They've lost three of their last four. It's a bad, bad loss. And Kevin Durant has to be better. Damian Lillard has to be better. But with a couple of practices and a game against Iran and a game against Czechoslovakia, I expect there to be a tune-up round 
They'll get a little cohesion. And I still think that they have to be considered the favorite to take the gold medal down. But the Popovich thing is interesting because I, I do sense that, you know, he's just an older guy now. And, and it's just not, you know, he's not as sharp as he used to be. So that's something to look out for. But I do still expect them to take care of business. Well, the Yankees season is over. Uh, that series against the Red Sox, three of four losing in Boston, was an absolute disaster. Uh, they came into that series winning nine of their last 12. And they lost last Thursday night in heartbreaking fashion. And then the cherry on top of the shit Sunday that was the Yankees series against the Red Sox. Domingo Herman has a no-hitter going into the eighth. Uh, he gets pulled, and they proceed to give up five runs in the eighth. I mean, it's just, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. They find way, new ways to lose, and Aaron Boone is a wet blanket. He can't just show any type of emotion and say that the team stinks because it does stink. Now, I know a couple of guys are out for COVID protocols, but it's just it, – it's a mess. It's been like this all year, and I don't understand – how, besides for the fact that it seems like Hal Steinbrenner is exceedingly cheap, how Aaron Boone still is employed, all right? I know they're not going to make a change midway through the season. It's just not the way they do things, apparently. But it's it's exceedingly aggravating. And, and this season is toast, and there's no more reason to watch. Maybe they make a trade at the deadline. I mean, I love Trevor story. Uh, even if it means giving up Glaber Torres, goodbye, Glaber Torres. See you later. But I, I, there's, there's no hope for this team. This team is, is gutless. It's got a glass jaw and it is, uh, and the Yankee season is dead and uh, good written. So I'm not going to pay attention to them anymore. Now to the meat and potatoes of today's monologue, my victory lap over my sort of Milwaukee Bucks, as I mentioned before, coming back to win the NBA title, being down to zero. And I just want to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo because I have been riding for this guy for the last four years. So game six, as I mentioned before, what does this guy go out and do? Um, only 16 of 25 from the field. 17 from 19 from the free throw line. All of a sudden, he turned into Larry Bird from the free throw line. 50 points, 14 rebounds, and five blocks. Just in all-time performance. In all-time performance in a closeout game. The only game that I can remember being almost as good in my lifetime was Jordan in 1998, where he scored 45 over half of his team's points and went on to win in game six. We had the punctuated by the driving layup, the steal on Carl Malone, and the, uh, the famous jump shot over Brian Russell to complete the, uh, the second three-peat going out on top with his uh, career with the Bulls. Just an unbelievable game from Jordan and an unbelievable game from Giannis. I mean, how many guys can honestly say that they have played the best game of their careers in the biggest game of their careers. It's a very short list. Very, very short list. Giannis, he's just, he's just incredible. The relentlessness 
that he plays with is something I've never seen before. I've never seen an athlete have the relentlessness that he has since Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And Giannis, because of his physical gifts, combined with that relentlessness, you are going to see, you know, dominance every single night. I mean, he had three 40-point games in this series. Just, just awesome. An awesome, awesome series. I think for the finals, he averaged like 35 and 13, something along those lines. Just, just insane. And it was validation for something that I knew all along. All right. You saw the trajectory. You saw in his MVP seasons how incredibly great he was. And I, I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. You know, PER is not a perfect stat. But Giannis's MVP seasons were two of the top PER seasons in NBA history. That's not a fluke, all right? When you get to that level, that's not a fluke. And you've been hearing, you know, he had, he had some ugly playoff losses, right? Up 2-0 against Toronto. But if you remember, game three went into overtime. If they win game three, they're going to the NBA finals, right? At 24 years old. Last year in the bubble was ugly against Miami. That was, that was a disgusting display. It happens. You take your lumps, right? Every great player has taken some lumps before. Shaquille O'Neal took some lumps between 96 and 1999. A lot of people forget. A lot of Laker fans forget what they used to say about Shaquille O'Neal before he won a title. Well, it's very similar to Giannis. Very similar to Giannis. Jordan took his lumps against the Pistons. LeBron took his lumps. I mean, got absolutely emasculated by the Mavericks in 2011 in the finals. But yeah, I mean, Giannis, 26. It usually doesn't happen for guys until they're 27, 28 years old. Didn't happen until Jordan until he was 28. Didn't happen until LeBron until he was 28. Giannis is ahead of the curve, all right? He's 26 years old. The man's already won two MVPs. He's already been All-NBA five times. He's already been five All-Star games. Defensive player of the year. And all-star game MVP, and now add to the list, finals MVP. We're looking at an all-time great that NBA Twitter would say he doesn't have a bag because he doesn't, you know, shoot tons of pull-up jumpers off the dribble. He doesn't make tons of threes. He doesn't have a bag. Like, shut up, all right? Substance over style. Substance over style. And that's what Giannis is. He's all about the substance, Okay. All about the substance. Giannis is everything I love in sports and I look for in a professional athlete. He works his ass off. He's humble, he's authentic, and he's exceedingly likable. All the things that LeBron James is not, all right? LeBron James is not humble, he is not likable, and he is not authentic. It's just wonderful. It is wonderful to have the validation for a guy like that who could have easily gotten out of Milwaukee, taken the bag somewhere else, joined some other squads like James Harden tried to do, and his bum ass couldn't get it done. And don't give me this. He was at, he was hurt. You know what? Maybe it's because he's out of shape all the time that he gets hurt and it caught up to him finally. Have you ever thought of that? Giannis is everything that's great about sports. Everything that is great about sports and the fact that he is now vaulted to the top of the top in the NBA 
is validation that hard work and sometimes not taking the easy way out is exceedingly rewarding, all right? This is akin to Dirk Nowitzki's 2011 title run, and it came a little later on in his career for Dirk, but just like Dirk's title in 2011 means more than any of LeBron James's titles, well, maybe except for the one in 2016 in Cleveland when they came back 3-1, or that it means more than any of Kevin Durant's two titles with the Golden State Warriors, well, you could put Giannis's title this year on top of that. And for anybody who says he didn't play anybody, I mean, he went on the road against Kevin Durant, who's arguably the best player in the league, and outplayed him in a game seven in Durant's home gym. All right. I don't want to hear any slander about this asterisk season with Giannis and not playing, you know, top competition due to injury. Shut up. Just shut up. I've never enjoyed a title run by an athlete that was not a New York athlete more than this. And it's been validation for everything I've said about Giannis over the last four years. It was punctuated in game six where he drops a 50 piece. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, one graphic sums it up. One graphic sums it up because a lot of Laker fans, a lot of NBA Twitter was trying to convince me that Anthony Davis was better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. One graphic shows it up. What does Davis have in his treasure chest closet in terms of awards? A couple All-NBAs, has, has a title, riding LeBron's coattails. What does Giannis have? Two MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year award, and a Finals MVP, and a title, all right? And he's younger. So don't, don't give me this Giannis slander anymore. Validation. That's what this was. Validation for Giannis. Validation for yours truly. I loved every second of it. Every damn second of it. So that's putting a bow on the uh, NBA season. Congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks. Congrats to Giannis. Uh, Chris Middleton, too. I feel like he got a little bit of shine for as, as good as he's been, even if he's up and down. Drew Holiday, another maddening game in game six, only shot four for 19, but he was, his impact was exceedingly apparent on the defensive end. Justice was served. Justice was served this NBA season. Karma for the Brooklyn Nets comes back to bite you in the ass. Screw the Brooklyn Nets. This was good for the NBA. I, I hope it continues. And just remember, Giannis is 26 years old, all right? you're potentially looking at an all-time great embarking on a run of sustained excellence, and I can't wait to see more of it. Having said that, so one last, last thing in honor of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Going into next season, who's at the top of the top of the NBA player food chain? So we're going to go uh, one to ten right now of where guys stand. Uh, we're going to start with one. That's the reigning finals MVP. Giannis, 26 years old, just a monster on both ends of the floor. He's got to be the number one player going into the um, next season. And just remember, let's not forget, he did all of this where three weeks ago, it looked like he had a season-ending knee injury against the Hawks. So the fact that he was able to come back and do that and be his dominant self and then some and improving is just 
you got to say that he's the number one player going into next season. So he's at the top. Two, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was sensational in the playoffs. He went toe-to-toe with Giannis in the, the second round. And if he wears a size 17 shoe as opposed to an 18 shoe or something like that with that shot, it could have been the Nets in the finals. So Kevin Durant is at two. Number three, we got Steph Curry, all right? The display that Steph Curry put on uh, this season was incredible. For everybody who uh, kind of forgot what Steph can do as, you know, uh, a lead dog, like, well, he reminded everybody he's forgot about Dre season four. I would go with Jokic, the reigning MVP. Incredible. Uh, excited to see what uh, they do next season. I mean, Jamal Murray was hurt, so they were a little undermanned going into the playoffs. But uh, Jokic comes to number four. Five, I got Luka. Luka Doncic. I mean, Luka just put up 48 in an Olympic game. Uh, the United States didn't score 48 points in the second half, and Luka's putting up a 48-piece in the Olympics for Slovenia. I mean, that's casual. Luka's – he's got a little too much James Harden in him. He's developing some bad habits, but uh, hopefully he gets right and, and takes even a net a bigger step uh, than he has been already. He's, he's just – he's crazy good. Uh, so he's number five. Six – well, well, and again, remember, Kawhi Leonard's out basically for the year with ACL injury, so we can't really count him for next year. Six, it's LeBron James. I hate to put him there, but he's six. He's still six if he's uh, healthy, but the fact that uh, people will say he's top three in the league anymore, that's just wrong. Uh, six is a good spot for him. Seven, I got Damian Lillard at seven. Eight, Joel Embiid. Nine, I've got Jimmy Butler still. Uh, and at 10, I got to do it. Uh, Anthony Davis. There you go. There you have it. One through 10, the best players in the NBA going into next season. And now with all that said, we're going to bring back a recurring guest to talk a little bit of NBA draft. Somebody I haven't spoken to in a while. Very excited to speak to him about the draft. And that's coming up in just a matter of moments. So I haven't spoken to this guest in a while, a recurring guest, a very knowledgeable recurring guest, especially when it comes to the draft. Uh, so I had to bring him back on, uh, Mr. Aaron Perlstein. Aaron, what's good, bro? How you doing? Thanks for having me again. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks for doing this. Um, wanted to talk quickly about what you're currently doing right now. Um, I've been following you on Instagram, following you on Twitter. You're doing a lot of work with a couple of draft prospects, which you are exceedingly uh, knowledgeable uh, when it comes to the draft and the draft prospects. That's why I wanted to have you on. So what are you currently doing right now? You're down in Florida. What, what's, what's going on over here? Yeah, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, work with uh, Unlimited Sports Group this summer, um, you know, help out in terms of, just operational um, stuff, uh, you know, just help manage their schedules, um, help in terms of analytics, uh, operations, everything in between. Uh, anything they really could think about was kind of my job. So um, who are some of the guys you're around constantly? Yeah, no, I mean, I was in the gym with Ronnie Taylor, who's a, a very prominent uh, trainer. And, you know, 
Um, I was, uh, daily, I was with uh, James Booknight, um, Javion Hamlet from North Texas, Julian Champagne from St. John's, but he obviously went back to St. John's. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people came through uh, outside of the agency from Jaden Springer to uh, Jonathan Kuminga to, you know, um, Michael Beasley, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum. It, it, was, a, it was a really exciting fun time. That that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Book night's interesting. We're going to talk about him in a second. But uh, first things first, there was a trade today. Uh, hmm. First Woj uh, bomb of the offseason. Yep. So the Grizzlies trade Jonas Valanciunas and the 17th pick for Steven Adams, uh, Eric Bledsoe and the 10th pick. Mm-hmm. Well, what mm-hmm. were your thoughts on the trade? Because I think this is a weird trade for a couple of different reasons. And yeah. obviously, you know, it involves the draft. Um, but I think this is a weird trade for a couple of different reasons. I'd agree. I think it is a little bit of a weird trade. You know, um, it's it looks like um, they both had kind of different motives for the, for the trade um, and kind of saw it in a different way. You know, I understand New Orleans perspective in a sense, you know, uh, outside of Jonas Valanciunas being a better fit with Zion um, than Steven Adams, you know, he's off the books a year earlier. Um, and that's really what they, I feel like this whole, you know, trade was about was cap flexibility because now getting Bledsoe and Adams off the, off the sheet, they are now able to match any offer for Lonzo Ball this summer, as well as if they want to let Lonzo Ball walk, they can go for Kyle Lauer or something like that. And on top of that next summer, like Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Harrison Barnes, those are all in play now. So, you know, moving these seven spots back, it seemed like they did it mostly for, um, you know, their future. Well, they also, they get a get out of jail free card for that terrible Steven Adams extension that was signed last summer. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bledsoe contract isn't as bad as everybody makes it seem. Like, I think there's a little, like we've gone a little overboard on him. But again, it's not like he's great, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it seems like David Griffin was able to get a get-out-of-jail-free card, and all he had to do was move back seven spots, and he got the better player in the deal. I, yeah. I just – I don't get it from the Grizzlies' standpoint. I mean, I, you're, you're I a think, new draft guy. It does – the opportunity yeah. to move up to 10 in this year's draft mm-hmm. – uh, is it that much of a better draft slot than losing the best player in Valanciunas, who, by the way, is one of, like, the six or seven best centers in the league? I mean, you saw what he did to Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Like, he's one of those dudes mm-hmm. who just torches Rudy Gobert. And then to take on the Adams contract, I, I just don't get it for the Grizzlies. I mean, I think the Grizzlies, uh, they definitely wanted some veteran presence. You know, it's a young team. You got to the playoffs, and – um, you know, obviously you made it to, uh, you know, pretty far, cl- farther than you thought you would make it, but you have to also take into account that Jonas Valanciunas has only played like 28 minutes a game. Um, you know, he, he seems like this guy that, you know, everyone loves to like, you know, say that he has a shooting, uh, you know, potential, but he only took 0.9 three point attempts per game. So, you know, you're really taking a risk on a dude that had a high usage rate, but in small amount of minutes, because, you know, you're now going to want him to play 30, 35 minutes in crunch time with Brandon Ingram and Zion. But aside from that, Memphis, I feel like they wanted a veteran presence. I mean, they already announced that Eric Bledsoe is not going to play a game in a Memphis jersey. So they're basically um, sending him packing? 
Yeah. And at the number 10 pick, I, I, I do believe that, um, you know, if they've done their, their, you know, their homework, they've done their history and they, they know someone's there. Um, you know, if, if Josh Giddy out, out of Australia, um, you know, a tall point guard that can fit well next to John Moran, who can facilitate, who can be a secondary ball handler. Uh, you know, you go and get Davion Mitchell, who, even though he's 22 years old, you know, he's a great defender and he's probably one of the most NBA ready prospects right now. Um, or you can go, you know, Moses Moody or Albert, uh, Albert Sangoon, people like that. Um, you know, 10 is a, is a prime position and clearly they have their eyes on someone. And if it's if if it's someone like that, that they're that, that highly confident in, you know, you make the trade because this it's, it's a little bit of a lateral move in my ideas, in my, in my sense. I don't know. I know Memphis isn't like a free agent destination, but to take on the extra year of Steven Adams and then they're going to have to mm -hmm. pay a tax to move Eric Bledsoe on. Like, I don't know. I don't know what Memphis is doing. Uh, I also think it, it, it declutters, um, you know, the front court of Memphis for a little bit. You know, you've had Jaron Jackson, you've had uh, Brandon Clark, you've had Jonas Valanciunas and all these guys. Um, and you know, they're all young. Ad, but Adams is still there. He plays that position too. I understand, but you're still making refined, you know, kind of saying, you know, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark are our guys. And, you know, we brought in a veteran to be behind, be behind you to help you, you know, uh, transition. And, but, you know, we're, you're, we're riding with you with John Moran and you're in the picture. It's a lot of money to pay a veteran just to be a, a, a teacher. I, I don't know. It's, I it's also don't weird. think that the Grizzlies are done whatsoever in moving and trade. I mean, that may be the case, but I don't know. That was a weird trade. But, okay, so on to the draft, all right? Draft itself. Um, so I, I think we've seen a shift in draft philosophies, right? We've seen teams be very willing to trade first-round picks for – established players who we know can help. Like you saw with the Drew Holiday trades, three first round picks. I don't think five years ago, Drew Holiday is getting, you know, netting three first round picks. But I think teams are, are willing to trade first round picks more than ever. So with that being said, there was always this thing, age versus maturity, right? You want to take the young guy or you want to take the guy who's been around a little bit longer um, that knows how to play right away. I, I do think, Going, you know, even about up until about three years ago, the older guys would always get dinged in the draft because they were considered older, right? Mm -hmm. And now I, I'm slowly starting to see a shift in age is not such a bad thing, right? And if you can play, like, for example, like a guy like Cam Johnson, right, mm -hmm. who got from North Carolina was picked 11th got slammed for taking him at 22 years old. But meanwhile, he's a rotation player in the finals, right? Yeah. And now he's on a cheap, now he's on a rookie contract and he's playing major minutes for a really good team. So are you starting to see a shift in terms of the landscape on how teams are viewing the draft? Well, I think it's just a shift in ideology in general, you know, years ago, you know, we, we, we came into this, you know, rebuilding and tanking, um, you know, dynasty and belief that you know you have to accumulate draft picks to start getting better and better you know Sam Hinkie started that but I think you know people don't people forget about the next step towards that you know you accumulate all the draft picks you accumulate all the young talent but what do you do next and people don't understand that you know the ultimate goal is the championship so you know everyone wants to knack on the Lakers for trading all those players for Anthony Davis but they want a ring and 
they succeeded. That's they won a ring. Drew Holiday, three first round picks. That was a lot. They won a ring, so they win the trade. Like in in my eyes, and people don't sense and like feel the short term goals because these teams, what they want to do is win a championship, and right. they both succeeded in doing that because they took it another step forward. You know, as a Bulls fan. Am I upset they gave up the seventh pick? Yeah, of course. We didn't make the playoffs, and now we don't have a first-round pick. It sucks. But at some point, we had to make a move for an all-star like Nikola Vucevic. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, you need to stop accumulating draft picks and accumulating young talent and actually start going for it. And that's what I think people are starting to realize. And, you know, I think that attributed to attributes to, you know, kind of the draft ideology, you know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. I, I was also on the, I was on the train that, hated on the Suns for picking Cam Johnson. You know, I'm never going to say I was, <laughs> I was, I always, uh, I always right liked I was Cam wrong. Johnson. I was in the minority on this. That's good. Uh, yeah, no, I always liked them. Yeah, no, I'm going to say I was not happy with the pick either. Um, but, you know, you see that. I don't know if that was a, you know, a case by case basis. I really feel like it is because, um, you know, I don't know if, if, draft audiology has changed i think it's just people are are you know willing to take the the bet on a guy and again every team's situation is different right like golden state right now has is a luxury tax team they've got a championship core in place if clay comes back so they're more willing to trade out of 7 and 14 Mm -hmm. to get a player that's going to help them win right now but exactly. if they stay at seven and fourteen, the logic is that again, and you, you're weighing the value. But the logic is, I think that they're going to put more stock into the ready-made guy that we know can play, right? That we know can play and and really contribute because I think they kind of not that they'll regret taking Wiseman because look at what happened with DeAndre Ayton in year three. Like there was a clear jump in terms of where his you know, standing in the league is and, right. and Wiseman could be a good uh, test case with that. But like if they took a more ready-made guy, you could have made a, an argument that they could have gone further this year. Maybe not, but I, I just think it, I think teams are wisening up that to swing for the fences constantly at the top of the draft, just because the guy has crazy upside, I don't think is necessarily the play. And I think that's smart. Well, you also have to take into account that this is this is people's jobs. You know, this is a job and they want to see it out because if they pick right. a guy that's five, six years away from being a star, that's amazing. But they're not going to see that out. They're going to see that on their on their couch. You know, they're not going to be the general manager anymore. So, you know, they need they are also weighing in that. Right. Right. So. All right. So Detroit has the number one pick. It looks like it's going to be Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma, out of Oklahoma State. I know that there was a report. I think it was at a Bleacher Report that they didn't like it. I think that's Smoke bogus. Um, I think Cade is the best player in this draft. Uh, is there any shot? Do you think that Detroit moves out of this slot? Because I don't well, think they if they stay there, I don't think they're taking anybody else. But would yeah. they be tempted to move out? Well, I know they've already. Uh, I forget who tweeted out, but they already turned down an OKC offer. And I would assume that OKC offer was pretty lucrative because of the, you know, the amount of picks and the amount of, um, you know, overall 
ability for the Thunder to move up, you know, outside of their 23 picks in the next, I think, four years. And then Shy, Shy Ludor, they got a real good, you know, offer that they could sum up. And if Detroit already, you know, said no to that, I'm not sure if there's another team that could, you know, one up an OKC offer. Um, so to me, it seems like everything that's coming out is a smokescreen. And, you know, them saying that they don't know who they're picking yet and all this stuff. They're picking Cade Cunningham. He's a generational talent. He's going to be great in Detroit. And that's just. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned Oklahoma City because I I think there and we'll get to this when we do our our mock drafts. But we there seems to be a tier, right? There seems to be a top four. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. And that Oklahoma City coming in at six. They can't, even with the extra draft capital, I don't think, I, I think the drop-off as seen in the draft between four and five is big enough that that extra draft capital won't do it. But- well, you'll have, to, you'll have to add Shy. You'll have to add other pieces, which doesn't really make sense to me because I was, I was listening to the podcast. I'd Alexander. He's, he's proven Look, he's awesome, and he's 21 I think the, years old. Right. I, I was listening to the podcast, and I agree with that. I think the it was draft deeper, I believe. I, I think – I think the best uh, comparison for Kate is shy. So you're trading shy for a younger shy, which doesn't. Why would you want to do that? One's proven. Right. That makes no sense to me, but Mm -hmm. for example, like it, like the rockets, right? If the rockets really wanted to get to one Mm -hmm. with the two pick and other stuff that to me again, would seem a little bit more appealing for this year's draft. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, this year's draft, it's like, it's not like Detroit's losing that much value if they move down, especially if they're getting a lot of value from Houston to move up. But um, I just don't really see the real upside in moving up, moving down for Detroit. It's going to be really interesting before we move on to, to see what Oklahoma city does in the next couple of years, because they have all these picks, right? They have the mm-hmm. treasure chest and one of them eventually is going to need to ha- really hit into something big and get lucky in that year's draft where there's a real dude at that spot or else it's going to be a lot like what you kind of saw happen with Boston, right? Boston traded for all these future picks that were dependent on other teams records and it was kind of just like, and none of them really resulted in anything greater than the 13th pick. And they were kind of shit out of luck, right? And right. And now they are where they are. I mean, again, they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but this wasn't the outcome that any Boston Celtics fan had in mind when they made those trades. And, and it was kind of, that's kind of the danger of trading for future picks that are dependent on other teams' records. Right, right. It'll be interesting what happens with Oklahoma City. Okay, so at two, we've got the Houston Rockets, who need a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Consensus says that Evan Mobley, uh, the forward slash center, kind of the Chris Bosh type, is the second best player in this draft. Oh, yeah. But Jalen Green seems to be gaining steam here, the guard who played for the G League. Um, Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on the two? In terms well, of- I'll, I'll tell you, you know, a few reports came out today uh, and yesterday that uh, Evan Mobley inherently stonewalled the Rockets. He has not worked out for the Rockets. He, he declined. So, um, and I get that, you know, they got a pretty 
hefty front court. You know, a lot of contract is 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 wrapped up in that front court. And Christian Wood, Kelly Olynyk, DJ Wilson, um, uh, Jalen Tate, people like that. So, uh, you know, I understand his hesitancy to go there. But at the same time, even if I had the two choices, I think I would still go Jalen Green. You know, I see some some real flashes of, you know. Uh, a guy that you could just put the ball in his hands and get a bucket, you know, Devin Booker, Kobe Bryant, those kind of things. Uh, Jalen Green shows a lot of, a lot of flashes of that. You know, he's, he's athletic, he's lengthy. Um, and, you know, he can finish above the rim, finish off the dribble. Uh, and I think it's a no brainer for Houston. Uh, it really seems like, you know, it's all set that they're going to take Jalen Green. But if you think Mobley's the better player, like I know he didn't work out, but we've seen, Guys not yeah. work out for teams and they take them anyway and everything's Definitely. fine. None of those guys in the front court are like, you know, pillars that need to be there, right? That's true. So but why I, would you I, take Mobley if you like Mobley more? No, to me, I, I like Jalen Green more. Personally, in my opinion, yeah. I think Jalen Green is a better prospect. So um, I understand. I think they're that's the thing. These top three guys, I think they're all going to have unbelievable careers. So me saying I'm going to take Jalen Green is not a knock on Evan Mobley because I do think Evan Mobley is going to be a multi-time all-star in this league. I just think Jalen Green is just one step above in my eyes. What? Okay, so maybe I didn't watch it. I, I tried to watch a bunch of the G League Ignite games. I, mm. I did. Why does he leave me cold? Because for some reason, and maybe it's because I really like Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga who seems mm-hmm. to be the consensus number four in this draft. Mm-hmm. What am I missing about Jalen Green that, you know, because why wouldn't you take Suggs over Jalen Green? Well, you have to take into account that Jalen Green, you know, you're playing in a whole different environment than college. You know, you're, you're now playing in a subset of the best league in the world. Um, you know, and he, he shot 46% from the paint. Um, you know, he was 53% in the mid range, like that kind of stuff goes a long way. And being able to do that against professional players, mm-hmm. um, you know, and averaging 18 points, uh, you know, and then uh, like, that's great. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, scouting and analysis has gone so far that I could say like confidently, when he was coming out of high school, I already kind of knew he was going to be a good player, you know, regardless of what he was the number one recruit of the class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as much as he showed in G league, which I think he did well, not much of it mattered really to me. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, he's an athletic freak. He could shoot the ball. Well, like I said, he's efficient from the mid range. He's efficient from the three. Um, He's like, he's just the guy he's, he's a bucket like he's a walking bucket and a team like Houston that's looking for an identity that's a perfect situation I I, I guess I'm just I, I get these J.R. Smith vibes really and it's interesting and it's just may, maybe it's just the maybe it's the shot selection I don't know I don't know what it is and, and again I, I'm not I'm not like I'm not an expert. I didn't watch enough, but mm-hmm. something there that I, that I, uh, I just, J, J.R. Smith, a guy like that, I wouldn't want to take with number two. And I think he's going to end up going number two, but mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Well, I wouldn't want to take Jared Smith number two either, but <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. It, but there are there are a bunch of other guards outside the top four. A bunch of mm. other guards that are some hot names um, that have been moving up. You know the draft boards uh, in in different ways and in different circumstances. So there are three guys I want to talk about. One guy who you've spent a lot of time with, uh, James Booknight out of UConn, mm-hmm. uh, Davion Mitchell, guard out of uh, Baylor, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Duarte, uh, the guard out of Oregon, and there's one more, and uh, he's kind of not necessarily in that tier, but uh, Jared Butler from Baylor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with book night. All right. Book night. When I started, you know, getting, getting into the, uh, into mock drafts was seen as like a mid, like 15 to 19 type guy. Yep. Now he's all the way up on a lot of boards. Yep. Uh, some say he can go as high as five. Some, mm-hmm. you know, have him pegged at seven to golden state. Mm-hmm. I like the guy in college. I like the workout videos I've seen. Again, they're workout videos, so take him for a great yeah, salt. Of course. But what, what has teams buzzing about Book Night so much where his stock has gone up more than anybody else's? Well, I think it's the, it's the same thing with Jalen Green. He's a guy that you put the ball in his hands and he's going to get a bucket. And he, the, the thing is he knows he's going to go get a bucket. He has supreme confidence in himself, and it's it's awesome to see. And on top of that, he's a he's just an unbelievable kid. You know, a kid that you want in your organization. You know, and you know a lot of people realize that in draft interviews. A lot of people realize that the combine. He's just a kid that lives and breathes basketball, but is a great dude. And um, you know, I think that along with people not like you have to understand people love to just look at the box score and like box score scouts and you know yeah the last 11 games he was hurt he shot 29 percent from three he was hurt he was coming but if you look at the beginning he put a four, 40 points on a top 20 defensive team in the country in Creighton. Uh, he was a constant um, you know getting to his spots making his shots uh, you know he had no help offensively in UConn and, you know, I think people started to, you know, kind of attribute it to that. And then I also think he's just a guy that he shines on the bright lights. You know, you put him in the draft, uh, put him in the draft combine. I wasn't there, but uh, I can hear from hundreds of testimonies that his combine workout in front of all 30 teams was like a sight to be seen. You know, it was something yeah, that, that's, that was the vibe I was getting on Twitter because was, the knock on him was that. For a guy who's considered a shooter, his, you know, shooting numbers, right, especially from three, weren't great. I mean, obviously, it, it really tailed off at the end, and I, there may be reasons for that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean. I think, over those fears. I think that was the problem. I think people were like, yeah, I see, like, he's an athlete, all this stuff, but he can't really shoot. But then they saw, oh, I was bullshitting. This guy can really shoot the ball. This guy can finish and rub the rim. This this guy is is all that. And he is. And that's why he's like risen more than anyone has. And, you know, I saw it daily. Um, The dude is a flat out bother and he's going to be great in this league. So tell me about the, um, the uh, Butler guards, right? Mm -hmm. Davion Mitchell, again, uh, senior was was an absolute bulldog 
Uh, Butler, mm-hmm. uh, I think is a junior, right? Junior coming out. Oh, uh, Jerry Butler's a senior. Oh, he's a senior also. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologies. He's a senior also. Both those guys coming out. Um, Mitchell is only about six feet, but he's he's tenacious as it gets. I've seen in the mocks him going as high as seven. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen him dropping to the mid-first round. Uh, right. Butler had a little bit of an injury his- concern, but now the medicals have come back that it's okay. Yeah. I, I kind of like him in, in to be in the mix for uh, one of the Knicks picks. So mm-hmm. what do you make of those two? I think it just it, it's a testimony to how deep this draft is. Uh, you know, I think I, I love both of them. Davion Mitchell, you know, he's the guy that's going to be the Cam Johnson this year. He's 22 years old. Um, you know, that might scare little people away because you give him a four-year deal after, um, you know, being a first-rounder and you're now 26 years old coming off your rookie deal. That's a little, like, you know, a little alarming, but – then again, he's probably one of the most NBA-ready prospects in the draft right now. Um, but then you have a guy in year 25, right, who's playing rotation minutes for a good team, and he's on a rookie contract. He could build a lot off of him. That's true. That's the other side of it. That's true. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that can come in and flat-out defend at the, in the back backwards right away. NBA backwards, you know, he can come in and produce defensively 100%. And, um, you know, he shot, like, above 40%. Um, from three in college so you know I, I think I would trust him being a spot-up shooter maybe not off the off the dribble yet but you know just being able to uh, you know pair him with another facilitator and scoring guard and being able to just you know just let him play his defense let him like attribute to the de- team defense and also just hit threes I think that's you know really good and would really help Davion Mitchell's uh, progression and then Jared Butler you know it, it was awesome to hear that like he's perfectly fine because that was such a knock. Like it, it was terrible to hear that like something a health was going to like hold him back because, you know, last year he was going to come out and then decided to go back to school and then finally won a national championship. You know, the dudes, I think uh, like, it paid off for him. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the dude's just a, like, a, I've heard he's just a standout guy. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's a great guy. You know, he's one of the, probably a top three facilitator in the lead, in the, in the draft. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's great off the ball. He, he understands what to do with the ball. He passes teammates open. He has a great IQ. And I think, uh, you know, I have him slotted in New York as well, but, you know, I think, I think a team like that and being able to just come in and, you know, just, you know, not have a concrete role, but just being able to like be him is, is perfect. Well, speaking of age, Chris Duarte, mm-hmm. 24. Uh, guard out of Oregon, but can really shoot it, is steady. Um, what are you hearing about him? Because I've heard anywhere, again, from seven to mid-late yeah. first round. I mean, listen, I can make a million combinations of this first round. Like, I actually have no uh, expectations whatsoever. You know, last year I had, like, a few, you know um, – like notches like people telling me an hour before what it was going to be this year like everything's like no one has no like there's no idea what's going to happen so um you know Chris Duarte can go all around the first round and I think he's a guy that you know is 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 a little bit like Jalen Green he can you know create his own shot uh you know he's lengthy um and you know he'd be a great you know just being able to space the floor for an offense um but you know, obviously, you're taking a you're taking a, a bet on a 24 year old. You're taking a bet on a 24 year old that, uh, you know, 
became a little silent in, uh, you know, primetime games in March Madness. Um, but, you know, like, again, all those guys, I would be okay taking them. You know, they, they're all high-minded guys that, you know, play well both ends of the floor. Um, it's it's really a toss-up. Like, it's, it's just such a hard draft because I'm like, yeah, I would take all of those. <laughs> like, I would take them. Which, which is why, going back to the, the trade we just saw, which is why it's puzzling the, the gap from 10 to 17 mm. doesn't seem that great to make the trade that they made, not to belabor that point. That, that, right, but, right, right. Um, transitioning over to the Euros or the mm-hmm. guys outside the U.S. because let's not um, – South America, we, we can't you know, disregard them because they're not Euros. <laughs> uh, so, and Australia. So give me a couple of international guys uh, to look out for. So there's Alperin Sengun uh, out of um, uh, Turkey, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, Interesting low post game from him. Yes. He's, you know, he's, he's a good 10 years uh, ahead uh, behind, you know, he, he would be great in the nineties or in the early two thousands. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that plays well behind back to the basket. It's a great rim protector. Um, and, you know, that's always a coveted, you know, role in the NBA, regardless of, um, shooting, you know, it's always important. It's always, you know, masterful to actually have a guy that could play well down low. And I expect him to go, you know, in the top 15. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see like San Antonio take the swing on him. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, on top of that, you know, you got Usman Garuba. Um, he's got, you know, six, eight power forward out of Barcelona. Um, you know, look decent for team Spain, by the way, uh, and they're, in their yeah. I guess in the U.S. did did some things. Yes, yes. He uh, no, he's he's just a he's a he's an animal on the defensive end. You know, his his offensive uh, game isn't really as refined, but he's a he's just an animal defensively, and you know he can come in and just be and get twenty minutes a game because he'll be a hundred percent defensively all game, and um, you know I think that's someone that you know late in the first rounds a team like. New York or a team like the Clippers, Denver, Brooklyn. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense to like take a take a swing on him. Tell me about Josh Giddy. Mm-hmm. Josh Giddy, yeah. Why didn't I remember? Josh Giddy, yes, of course. He's he's a great uh, you know playmaker. He's he's fast for his size. Um, you know, he's someone that I think the Grizzlies are are looking at. You know, I think he would make a lot of sense in a secondary ball handling position with John Morant. You know, he's not a guy that he's not like a supreme athlete and he's got a little bit of a hitch in his legs and when he's in his shot. But, um, you know, he's he's 18 years old. Uh, you, taking a swing on him would make a lot of sense because he could finish at the basket. I mean, he's showing it in uh, the Olympics. You know, he's just able to, uh, you know, orchestrate an offense very well. And um, he's 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 a guy he's one of the most, I would say, for sure things in this draft. The center for Turkey, um, uh, Sengun, right? Mm-hmm. Is he a fluid enough athlete to justify uh, a first, uh, like a, a top 10 pick? Because, I mean, we, we saw with the Milwaukee Bucks, now they just won a title being very big, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of rumblings that Brooke Lopez was getting played off the floor a lot. Like the right. plus minus in a lot of those games is not kind to Brook Lopez. So is he 
a fluid enough athlete to really hang to play switch pick and roll defense? I think so. Uh, I, I definitely have a lot more confidence in him than a guy like Rick Lopez. I think he's, he's able to get over those screens and, you know, play drop, drop coverage a lot better. You know um, it's it also, uh, that, that always irked me on draft Twitter and NBA Twitter that like everyone got mad at Brooke Lopez, every single play for the drop coverage. Like people don't understand that's like, he was playing it well. Sometimes it, it's the guard has to help at times. Yeah. But regardless, I, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, I would have a lot more confidence in him. Yeah. The thing with Lopez, not to deviate so much, uh, off mm-hmm. the trip, but the thing with Lopez that was frustrating was like, yeah, there was one game, game one in the NBA Finals, right? Where when Chris Paul comes off the screen, it's different than how Trey Young comes off the screen. They have different right, spots right. on the floor, and you have to adjust for those kind of spots. But it's not like – like, I forget who tweeted it sometimes. Like, stops in the NBA are sometimes minor miracles with how great of shot makers these are. And it, it was very right. apropos. But anyway – um, so we've already seen one trade. Are you expecting a lot of trades uh, come draft night? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, More expected. so than normal because we keep hearing it. And and and, and then, you know, then we get the draft day. Yeah. We, love the tra- we love the transactions. And it's like you get you get blue balls, right? Yeah, yeah. And there and aren't any trades. The... So we're going to see a lot of trades. I would like to think so. I think that there's going to be one or two, you know, major NBA All-Stars that will definitely move spots. Like, I wouldn't be surprised in the next day or so that um, – Bradley Beal decides that, you know, he's, he wants to trade, you know, and I think the, the Warriors can make a great deal. I think a lot of teams in the top 15 can make a great deal that, you know, you can't really pass up if you're the Wizards. And uh, I don't know. I mean, well, if he goes I, Westbrook goes. Yeah. But th- that's like, I feel like a Westbrook deal is not during the draft because it's, it has nothing really to do. Like it, it's a, just such a different tr- like, trade like because obviously Bradley Beal he needs a high profile first round pick right Um, because of age and how many years on the contract and what the contract is as opposed to Westbrook's but right one will preclude the other yeah um yeah interesting I'm I'm interested to see what what happens here uh because especially that you know, we were on the heels of the finals. It, everything is super condensed this offseason. And you, I, mm-hmm. I just think that things are – the floodgates can open up super, super fast. Um, so a guy outside of Mobley, Cade, and Jalen Green that you would bet – like, I don't want to say you bet your life on, but, like, you'd make a sizable wager that they're going to be really good for a long time. Who's your dude? Well, I'm a little biased, but I would take Book Knight. I think the guy is going to be an absolute star in this league. Uh, other right. than Book, other than Book Knight, um, you know, I really like Bones Highland out of VCU. Um, he's a guy that came out of the scene a little late, um, and but he's just an unbelievable shooter. You know, even though it's an empty gym, I, I think you know, a lot. I was like taught this year that you know you usually want to take half of um, the percentage in an open gym, and that's kind of what the what shooting game. Well, the guy shot like 85 out of 100 in an open gym. So you take half of that. It's still unbelievable. He shot 15 from 18 in the draft kind of from 30 plus feet. Um, he's a guy that's just going to come in and just shoot the ball. And, you know, we saw that with Desmond Bain. We saw that with, uh, you know, Grayson Allen, guys that could just shoot the ball, you know, have a place in this, in this draft, in this league. And, 
Um, you know, he's a, he's a standout guy as well. And I think he can, he can hundred percent fit. I haven't heard a lot about him. So where do the mocks have him right now? Like late, late. first round, early seconds. Yeah. Late first, early second. Mm-hmm. My guy, I know this may be a little bit of a cop out, but I think Jalen Suggs can have a Jason Kidd type career. That's and a, yeah. I just think, Maybe it's because he he was a star on two in two sports, right? And he was a mm-hmm. quarterback, so he knows how to run a team. Like you saw what he did with Gonzaga with a team with a lot of NBA caliber talent and and putting the pieces together. Yeah, they got waxed by Baylor in the title game, but I just I just love that guy. Yeah. And I think if he falls to Toronto at four, like that's like a perfect fit for the Raptors. Um, in terms of moving off of Kyle Lowry, yeah, there's just it's just it's set up super nice for the Raptors in that respect, where you're not going to have to worry about that guy, right? All right, so before I let you go, we're going to do a little bit of a a, a ten pick mock draft, all right? Mm, yes. All right. Uh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to alternate. We're going to alternate with the first, uh, your first pick, my first pick. All right. Sounds good. So you're the guest. You go first. It's Cade Cunningham. No, 100%. Likewise. All right. Not much to say there. Okay. At two. Jalen Green. I have Jalen Green as well. Not much to say there. At three. Mobley, obviously. Okay. So we're in agreement so far. Three for three. Four. Yep. Suggs. Okay. In agreement. Five. The Orlando Magic, who always seem to miss out on the top tier <laughs> draft slot. Yes. Uh, I got Scotty Barnes right there. You know, I think he's, he's a guy that, you know, could come in and just help produce right away. Orlando magic need, needs somewhat of an identity and Scotty Barnes is a perfect guy to build around and, you know, he can do everything on the floor. And I think he is definitely warranted to fix it. People seem to like Scotty Barnes from what I've heard that his, his jump shot is no, no, no bueno. So it's another, forward that can't shoot i'm gonna go a little different here mm-hmm. i'm gonna go your boy book night oh okay i could see you i could see book night you know going top five especially given the trajectory that he's risen on draft boards i oh. like book night in this spot mm-hmm. all right six who you got my boy jb right there so you got book night going six yeah, I, I have. Think, I think Scott, there's a little bias in there as well because I think him in a shy backcourt would be lethal to this NBA, and I think I want that. So I understand. There's, there's, <laughs> fun. I mean, you're around the guy a lot, so you, you've seen it up up close and personal. So right, I am going to go Scotty Barnes at mm-hmm. six to the Thunder. So we basically okay. have the first six guys off the board the same, just uh, swap five and six, seven. Who you right. got? I got Moses Moody, especially if Golden State keeps that pick. Um, I think he fits the offense really well. He can shoot the ball really well. And I think he fits really well, especially if they keep that pick. So Moses it changes. Moody? Yeah. All right. I have Davion Mitchell mm-hmm. going seven. Mm-hmm. All right. So eight, Orlando, a second first-round pick. Yeah. I mean, he slid far enough. Jonathan Kuminga, obvious. Uh, I think, you know, he's a guy that was a top – four pick you know a month and a half ago and 
you got it. Like his potential is too high to pass up at this point. You and I are in agreement. Kaminga yeah. at eight, um, nine to the Josh um, Giddy. Josh Giddy going to the Kings. I even, think that even with Halliburton and Fox there. Yeah, I think that they pick based on value, and I think Josh Giddy is the highest value at that point. And sucks for the Grizzlies trading out from Giddy and can't even get him. I like. Uh, I like Franz Wagner here. Mm, okay. Uh, small forward out of Michigan. Uh, yeah. He really he's, he's, uh, he's in my play defense. Spot. I actually wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if he went eight and Kaminga went nine. Um, that wouldn't shock me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, what the hell do I know? Um, <laughs> uh, ten. Who you got at ten for uh, New yeah. Orleans? I have Franz Wagner there. Um, you know, Franz he's a guy Wagner that I he's got a great defensive upside. So, you know, you got to take They him. would love if Franz Wagner is still there. Yeah. They would love if Wagner is still there. Um, I don't have Wagner being there, so I'm going to I'm gonna select them. Corey Kispert. Okay. Uh, the shooter out of uh, Gonzaga. Yep. They need guys who can shoot. But then again, with free agency – Maybe they go for Duncan Robinson instead and, and, and take somebody else in that spot. I'm, I'm warming up to the, the, the idea that they should go like the NFL free agency first, but we'll see. I could see Moses Moody being a good, good uh, fit there. Yeah. Or even a guy like uh, Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Um, I'm hoping that one hell of a night can get some type of guard between Duarte um, or uh, Butler. Jaden Springer. You know, there's a yeah. lot of guys that, yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Aaron, this was good, man. It was good to catch up. Uh, I know yes. we've spoken about doing it. Uh, finally got to do it. And uh, thanks so much for your time. Speak to you soon. And we'll uh, talk during the draft. Definitely. Sounds good. Have a good one. Speak to you. Thanks again to my guest, Mr. Aaron Perlstein, doing good stuff down in Florida. Glad to hear he's doing well. Uh, Good to speak to him again, especially about the draft that he knows a lot about, being around prospects. That's awesome. That's episode 119 for the love of the game. Take us out. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube